we're a, we're a rich church. Get to be able to sing and give praise and be able to worship together and give just do our do our best to give glory to God. It's uh it's a rich time. Okay, we are in Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. We're going to you know, we we see that Isaac he's mature in faith. Uh, we see him handle controversy in a very mature way, in a faith-filled way, but what we're gonna see today is even the mature will have spiritual blind spots. You know, the Bible talks about the Old Testament examples, the Old Testament in samples. They're written, you know, what happened in their life, it's recorded for us. Uh, we get both positive and negative uh, examples and warnings and admonitions. And so here we're gonna see Isaac's blind spot. He's got a spiritual blind spot and we're gonna learn what not to do in family relationships. And so we're gonna pick it up here in Genesis chapter 27 and in verse one. But first let's pray and let's ask the Lord uh, to help us in his word this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and Lord, you are worthy, you're wonderful. You're worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And God, we wanna confess to you right off the top we need you. God, without you, uh, we're, we'll be blind. We won't be able to see truth. We won't be able to understand and, and much less apply your word to our life. And so, Lord, we confess it. We need you. Lord, would you direct our paths? Would you guide us in your word this morning? Would you enlighten our understanding? And, and God, help us to tremble. Help us to recognize how critical it is to live our lives and to and to parent our children, to, to minister in our family the way that your word instructs. Lord, be glorified in us as your people, we pray today in Jesus' name, amen. So here we're gonna see an, you know, an unspiritual episode in, in Isaac's life, and so we're gonna call it a father's decline. Genesis chapter 27, verse one, and it came to pass that when Isaac was old, sometimes, you know, when you go to get old, you just start phoning stuff in. Uh, you gotta keep the eye of the tiger, brothers and sisters. You gotta stay sharp. Uh, spiritually, you just don't, you don't wanna get to the place where you start shrugging your shoulders and say, ah, that doesn't matter anymore. You know, I've been there, done that. Uh, we gotta stay vigilant, okay? We gotta, we gotta keep, uh, we gotta keep a, a, a steady weather eye because, man, these spiritual storms, they, they, they blindside us. He was old and his eyes were dim. Man, it's easy to lose insight spiritually. Uh, so here he's having a tough time seeing. We're gonna see the evidence of that in the story. So that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, my son. And he said unto him, behold, here am I. And he said, behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore I take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that I may bless, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Now what we're gonna see this morning, here's the big picture, Jacob is deceiving his father and receiving his, his older brother's blessing. That's what we're gonna see this morning here in Genesis 27. Uh, the problem is, is that Isaac, he's starting to feel it in his bones and he's afraid that he's gonna run out of time. He's got some plans, he knows the prophecy regarding his sons, but he's got, he's got plans of his own. 
he, He wants to allegorize that prophecy that the elder will serve the younger. He wants to explain it away. He wants some rational explanation for why his favorite son will receive the blessing that, 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 that he wants him to have. He's hurrying now to make Esau the heir, right? The heir of the covenant, right? The, the, the blessings of, of Abraham, his father, and now uh, as a father to Esau. He wants to give them, even though he knows what God's word says on his sons. Genesis 25, we saw it in verse 22. The children struggled within her. Rebecca finally gets pregnant after 20 years of prayer. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? She responds rightly. She goes and she inquires of the Lord. She takes it to the Lord in prayer. And this is what the Lord said in verse 23. The Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. Let all the ladies say, ugh, right? I mean, two nations in your womb. No wonder. Uh, It's like, you know, uh, instead of rumble in the jungle, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, war in the womb. Okay, so two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Esau came out first, red and hairy all over, but his brother had him by the heel, coming out of the womb, right, the supplanter. And so now here's Isaac. He knows what God said. But he's following the flesh, he's, he's listening to his heart, his emotions, right? He wants to elevate his favorite son Esau above the will of God. You know, Genesis 25, 28 says, Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. So he's got two sons here, one's a mama's boy, hanging out in the tent, the tent learning how to cook chili. He's got a passion for cooking chili, and, and uh, the other one, uh, the other one's a man's man. I mean, just makes his father proud. I mean, he's a hunter. He's a, he's a, he's a skilled uh, warrior. And he just, he, just his, he can't help it. His heart just goes out to his boy. But Rebecca loved Jacob. And we talked about the warning, the danger of having favorites in your household. But notice what the Bible says, that he loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Uh, anytime we're dealing with relationships, you can't let your belly get in the way. Philippians chapter three, verse 19, talks about people whose God is their belly, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. You know, if we're obsessed with earthly things, we're not gonna really have a spiritual mindset, are we? We're not gonna, we're not gonna remember God's perspective whenever we're minding, whenever we're obsessed with earthly things. You know, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter seven that we're gonna have to mind earthly things. There are worldly cares in any marital, in any family relationship. Uh, the issue biblically is that earthly responsibility, earthly issues can never supplant what you know according to God's word, what you know God is doing. You know, what is the spiritual priority? Uh, what, spirit, what spiritually is, 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 the, is, is, is prime, okay? We gotta keep a proper spiritual focus. Now, at this point, Isaac's 137 years old. He thinks he's at the point of dying. He's, maybe he's got a little arthritis. He's panicking. Uh, but the reality is, is he lives for another 43 years. He had all the time in the world. And we're gonna find out in Genesis 35 when he dies that he, that he made it over four, four more decades. So there's a warning about panicking when you don't have all the data and you make a hurried decision. Whenever you don't have all the data and you panic and you make a hurried decision, it's typically what kind of decision? It's a, it's a bad decision, 
Okay, and that's what's happening here. This is a bad decision. So point number three, instead of seeking the Lord in prayer over his want, he's not pleading to God for Esau, getting a word from the Lord. Hey, can you, can you explain what Rebecca said you told her? Because <laughs> here's what I'm seeing, Lord. Instead of going to the Lord in prayer, he's trying to make his desires a reality. Instead of trusting God for the reality of his word over my life, what I want to do is I want to just take the reins, I want to take control, and I want to take what I want, I want to make that a reality in my life, and then I'll say that was God's will all along. Man, what a, what a horrible idea. What I desire, what I want, I want, what I desire, what I want is the best for me. That's, be, that, that's why I want it, that's why I desire it. But how many know that your insight, my insight, what we want is nothing compared to what God wants for us? I mean, I go out and I get my best. It's still just the best that I can get. What I want is God's will. I want God's best over my life. And instead of pursuing that, it's like I'm in a bind here. Life isn't working out for me the way that I want it to. And so how can I work? What can I do to make sure this comes out the way I want? And so what do we have? We have a manipulator who's working to force his will, right? He's working to force his outcome in life. And we're going to see the disaster that results. It ends up rupturing his family. Besides all that, he's hungry and a bowl of innocent stew sounds really good right now. What he's doing is he is going against the revealed word of God. He's responding in the appetite and the will of his flesh. And uh, you know, what we're gonna see here is Rebecca gets word of it. She responds in kind. She has a fleshly response. Uh, she deals in the energy of the flesh as well. And, and, and what we're gonna see here in Genesis 27 is this is now the end of the story of Isaac. We actually won't see him again until his death in Genesis chapter 35. In other words, he disappears from the spiritual story, the spiritual history of Israel. This is the last time we see him in the text until he dies. So whenever you have a fleshly focus, what's the principle there? Brothers and sisters, whenever we're operating in the energy and the focus of the flesh, we lose our capacity for spiritual relevance, don't we? We lose effectiveness for the kingdom. And so, you know, what we're doing in the flesh comes to nothing, and so it doesn't matter. Why record it? Man, God help us to learn. I mean, here is a spiritually mature man who is making a catastrophic mistake. Let's keep going. Verse 5, unsubmissive mother's devices. So we got U's and D's in our titles. I don't know if you noticed that yet, but maybe you can guess the rest of the blanks in your handout. Okay, verse five. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah thought, hurry. <laughs> Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison. Notice it's your father, not my husband. Notice it's your brother, not my son. Do you see how she's acting as an agent against the will of her family? This is gonna end well. In case you couldn't tell it by the inflection in my voice, I, I, I meant that sarcastically. Okay, so. Uh, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. 
Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. I know the recipe, I gave it to Esau, <laughs> right? I will, make, I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth, and thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. And notice Jacob's response. Okay, look at what he's worried about. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. He's not worried about lying. He's worried about how he's gonna pull off the lie. <laughs> I am a smooth man. Uh, I can identify with, uh, with, with uh, Jacob. Can I just settle this once and for all? I, you know, I feel bad taking time from the message, but uh, if you ever catch me in shorts, no, I don't shave my legs. I'm like Jacob, I'm a smooth man, okay? <laughs> That's a, I, I don't have hairy legs. Uh, so there it is, okay. It, it, I was 40 before I could grow a beard. I, you know, late bloomer or something, I don't know. Maybe by the time I'm 70, I'll have hairy legs. Where was I? Oh, I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me and I will seem to him as a deceiver. Seem? You, will, you are a deceiver. Okay, and I shall bring a curse upon me that's what he's worried about and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. That's how hairy Esau was. You know, some people are walking yetis, right? I mean, that's Esau. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a freak. That's a hairy dude. So she puts him upon Jacob, her younger son. She put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. She cooked this meal to perfection. She knew it would hit Esau. She knew it would hit Isaac right in his heart when it hit his stomach. So what's Rebecca doing? She's following the exact same pattern as Sarah before her. What's she doing? She's following the pattern of giving terrible commands. You remember Sarah's terrible command in Genesis chapter 16 and verse two. She said unto Abraham, behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, go in unto my maid, that it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah, and again, in case you weren't here for chapter 16, anytime your wife is encouraging, encouraging you to join the local swingers club, rebuke her in Jesus' name. Don't say, I mean, here's, here's Abraham. You know, he just looks over, you know, outside the tent where Hagar's doing his chores, and he's like, that's a great idea. Okay, yeah, let's, uh, no, he should have said, that is the stupidest, most wicked, I love you, Sarah, but that was evil. Have you lost your ever-loving mind? Uh, that, that does it. We're, we're dumping Hagar off at the next depot. We're gonna get rid of this gal. Uh, what, what a terrible idea. What a terrible command, and it caused trouble in his tent. Too often, God's people, you wanna get this in your notes, they get the wrong idea, that the Lord helps those, the, have you heard this before? The Lord helps those who help themselves. No, that's not how it works. The Lord helps those who come to the end of themselves. That's who the Lord's helping. 
Again, Rebecca knew what God had said. She had a word from the Lord in Genesis 25. The elder will serve the younger. Jacob's gonna be the father of the mightier nation. The blessings, the, the Abrahamic blessings, the covenant is gonna go through Jacob. She knew. And so she should have trusted the Lord. She should have trusted God. She should have got, when she heard what Isaac was saying to Esau, she should have got on her knees and said, Lord, what did you tell me? Look what's happening. So instead, she sees her husband plotting something in the flesh, and so what does she do? She follows his example. Man, husbands, fathers, you set the spiritual tone in your household. If you're a spiritual man, that's your, be- that's your wife's, sh- I mean, it's her best shot at being a spiritual woman. If you're a spiritual man, that's your children's best shot at being you know, spiritual men and women. Isaac is manipulating in the flesh and oh, surprise, surprise, so is a wife. I mean, his wife is responding in kind. So she's plotting against her husband. She's teaching her son to lie, to cheat, and to steal. Romans 2 verse one says, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges for, wherein thou judges another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judges, do us the same things. Esau's doing something evil. I have to move to counteract that. What does she do? She does the same thing. She does the exact same evil thing. Uh, but that's what happens with, with believers so often. They'll see somebody acting in the energy of their flesh and so they respond in kind. I wrestle with it. Somebody treats me in a carnal, fleshly way. I don't like it. What is the number one danger that I'm wrestling with? To respond in the energy of the flesh. Uh, to be carnal in my response. So here, Jacob's true character is revealed. He's not worried about lying to his dad. He's worrying about getting caught and cursed. This was, this was his mom's wicked idea, but it was Jacob's awful decision. Jacob, he could have said no. This, this is the same, I mean, history's repeating itself. It was, it was Sarah's terrible idea but it was Abraham's decision to go into Hagar. You can't, I mean, where men are concerned, it's, 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 you know, it's pretty tough for a, a woman to rape the willing. You know, it's, um, he, he did it. He was in. It was his decision. So history is repeating itself. And the reality is, is everybody's in sin. <laughs> you know, I, I, Isaac is conveniently forgetting what God said. Both Rebecca and Jacob are lying. They're dishonoring both Esau and Isaac. I mean, the only one that's acting honestly here, really, is carnal Esau. The only one that's actually just living his life, do 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 it's Esau, you know? Like, how messed up is that? Worse, they dishonor the Lord by trying to help God keep his promises. Man, that's the worst thing right there. Rebecca and Jacob are just trying to help God keep his promises in Genesis 25. So get this down in your notes, man. It's never right or wise to do wrong in order to do right. Did that make sense to you? It's never, it's never wise, it's never correct to do something wrong in order to, in other words, the end never justifies the means. You either trust God or you don't. You're either gonna do it God's way or not. So instead of reminding Isaac of the word of the Lord, hon, I heard what you said to Esau. Do you remember what God said to us? What are you doing? 
instead of just in a humble and winsome way going to her husband and reminding him of what the word says. Rebecca manipulates her husband at the point of his weakness. He's hungry, right? He wants to overturn the will of God. I mean, I I can fix this. I can fix it with lies and deceit. I can fix it by training my son to do the same. So now Jacob's on board. Let's look at verse 18. It's an unscrupulous son's deception. He came unto his father and said, my father, and he said, here am I. Who art thou, my son? You know, he's hearing some voice that sounds like a hybrid now between Esau and Jacob's. So Jacob's not a master impersonator. We, we know that from the text, but he got pretty close. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Man, count the lies. I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. There's another lie. Esau didn't bid him, he bid Esau. Esau, Jacob didn't go hunting for venison. He's bringing him goat. Arise, I pray thee, sit in need of, sit in need of, sit in need of my venison. I mean, the lies are just rolling out so smooth that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. <laughs> wow. And Isaac said unto Jacob, come near, I pray thee that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, art thou my, my, my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him and he did eat and he brought him wine and he drank and his father Isaac said unto him, come now, come near now and kiss me my son. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee, the, give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. Okay, right there it's very clear. He's overturning what the Lord had said to him in Genesis chapter 25. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So he's passing on the Abrahamic covenant. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out of the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that is, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father, said unto him, who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. Okay, what do we see in the text here? Well, number one, we see that Jacob is a very good liar. He's a great liar. Uh, very accomplished at it. Under his mom's tutelage, Jacob lies no less than three times. You can actually make a case for double of that. 
He's lying over and over to his father. He says, I am Esau. No, he's Jacob. I have done. No, his mother did it all. Eat of my venison. No, it's goat's meat. You know, I mean, he didn't hunt for it. Even the kiss is a type of a lie in verse 27. It's uh, like a, I mean, it's kind of like a type of antichrist right there, right? I mean, a betraying kiss. Three times the old man voices his suspicion, but notice he's deceived by his senses of touch and smell, and so he blesses Jacob thinking it's Esau. This is the danger of relying in the ability of the flesh instead of going to God. God, something doesn't seem right here. Can you help me? So get this down in your notes. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you got the picture or not, but you cannot trust how you feel. Man, I feel bad. And I think it's because, well, no, you're, part of the reason why you're feeling bad is because you're choosing to trust in the power of your circumstances instead of counting on what God has said over your life. Um, God gave you a reckoner. It's a very powerful tool. You have the ability to make the decision to agree with God over what he said is true in your life. I feel like I'm worthless. I feel like everybody hates me. I feel like people just barely put up with me. Maybe you are worthless and people have to put up with you, but man, you're precious and we thank God for you. You may be that person that we have to comfort. Maybe you are weak, I don't know, but you are precious. You are, your worth is incalculable. Why don't you believe that? Why don't you believe that and, 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 and instead of denying where you're at in life, I mean, acknowledge the weakness. Acknowledge it before the Lord first. Man, that'll set you free. Acknowledge your need and acknowledge your dependence, but agree with God that you're precious in his sight. You were worth Calvary. Man, I feel like I'm wasting my life. I'm depressed, all I wanna do is sleep. Okay, well, agree with God and get to work. Stop wasting your life, start mattering for the kingdom. Get on the path to growth. Stop playing at it. Man, throw your video game, I mean, give it to goodwill. Better yet, put a hammer through it. That podcast that you can't, I mean, you know, man, I gotta be careful. But some of you, it's so bad, you're not even playing video games. All you're doing is watching videos of other people playing video games. It's that bad. <laughs> and you'll do it for hours and you could have been halfway through LFBI by now. You could have already started your own church by now. But man, you know the sixth level of whatever it is that came out last week. And you know all the cheat codes and you know all the, you know, and you know all the funny jokes to make in the middle of whatever video scenario unfolds. You could have already planted a church by now. I mean, like, I mean, at some point, decide you're gonna agree with God and, and then let him, man, let him start getting glory out of your life. You can, you can reckon, man. Reckoning is such a powerful thing you don't trust how you feel, trust what God said. Start going with that. So there's a great lesson here though. Isaac's under pressure. Under pressure. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, he's under pressure. And uh, you know he made this promise and here's the savory meat and, and it's time for the blessing and he's just got this catch in his spirit. When you feel rushed, when you feel pressured, slow down. Don't make a decision under pressure. Stop and seek the Lord. Isaiah 28, 16 says, he that believeth shall not make haste. You don't have to make hasty pressured decisions. Don't fall into that trap. 
In verse 30, Jacob barely gets out of the room. He barely gets away with his deception before his brother returns from the field. Had he been in the room, oh my goodness, uh, that would have been bad. And when Isaac discovers that he had blessed Jacob instead of Esau, notice what the text says, he trembled very exceedingly. Why? Well, because it all, it all becomes clear in a moment. I mean, in a moment, he realizes he had been pitting himself against the given word of God. It's, I mean, exactly what God said in chapter 25 just happened, and he realizes, I've been trying to overturn the will of God, and so notice, how do I know that? Because of what he says. He says, he shall be blessed. I, I can't take it back. He shall be blessed. God overruled him, and so Isaac's recognizing that God's will for his sons was better than his own will for his sons. Isaac doesn't curse Jacob like Jacob feared. Jacob thought that was very much a possibility on the floor, right? If I had deceived my father, I will have rightly earned a curse. And so mom's like, don't you worry about that. Your curse, I will take your curse. Your curse be upon me. Just do what I'm telling you to do. So he does it. I mean, he does it knowing that this could end very badly, but it doesn't. Isaac doesn't curse Jacob. He submits to God's will in the matter. He says, and he shall be blessed, in verse 33. And this is, this is what's amazing about this story, okay? Uh, check out Hebrews 11, verse 20. Hebrews 11, verse 20. This gives us God's perspective on what happened. Okay, so by the, I mean, we just read in the story, by the flesh, right, by the appetites of the flesh, by the weakness of a very deceivable, deceivable flesh, the deceivable senses of the flesh, Isaac blessed Jacob. Isn't that what we just read? Isn't that what we just saw? But whenever it comes out that he blesses Jacob instead of Esau, he lets it stand. Didn't we just see that? Okay, look at God's perspective on it. Hebrews 11, verse 20. By faith, not the flesh, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By, I, mean, I mean, when Isaac was confronted of his sin, he repents and he agrees with God back in Genesis chapter 25. And so God says, good enough, by faith, you bless them boys concerning things to come. And let me write that down in Hebrews. Man, praise the Lord. Now, when you back up, there's a beautiful gospel picture in all of this. And so let's get a 50,000 foot gospel picture in what we just saw. How did Jacob get, ex- I mean, it's beautiful, really. How does Jacob receive acceptance from the Father? Well, it's, it's, it's how we find acceptance with the Father. Jacob found acceptance with Isaac and received his father's blessing because he came in his brothers, his elder brother, right, the firstborn's name, the father's beloved son. He came in his name and was clothed with his garments, which were to his father an odor of a sweet savor. Do you see that picture? Man, isn't that beautiful? I mean, there's a beautiful gospel picture right in the middle of this lie. Isn't that how we get the favor of the Father when we come in Jesus' name? And we don't come in our righteousness, but we're dressed in the robes of his righteousness. And we smell good to him. It's the odor of a sweet savor. We find our acceptance before God. We receive his blessing because we come in the name of the firstborn, the elder brother, the only beloved son. We're clothed with his robes of righteousness and everything that we receive from the Father comes through the value and the work of his Son who hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 
Ephesians 5, verse two. Man, that's a beautiful picture. Right in the middle of this ugly family drama, uh, there's the gospel. People say you can't see Genesis, uh, you know, you can't see in Genesis the person or the work of Jesus. Man, it's everywhere. You gotta be blind to miss it. All right, verse 34. Let's look at the unsaved brother's despair. Look at Esau's reaction. It's very measured. No, it's not. Okay. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. Underline that word bitter. Hebrews tells us the results of bitterness. It's an exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, thy brother Jacob came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Well, no, you sold it, bro, for a bowl of chili. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth. Here again, you know, remember what Hebrew said. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So we saw what was coming for Jacob, now Esau. Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above, and by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. There's your blessing. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father at hand, well, 43 years from now and then will I slay my brother Jacob. So here we see Esau trying to barter for blessing, and it doesn't work out so well. You're gonna, you're gonna live like a wild man, wild man, and you're gonna serve your brother, but at some point, you'll be strong enough to break off his yoke. It's rough. He's weeping before Isaac to get him to change his mind, but the Bible says there's no place of repentance there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 17. He's strong crying, it's weeping. There's no place of repentance. It's too late. What a warning to all unbelievers. I mean, you put off, like the Bible tells you, today is the day of salvation. You say, no, I'm gonna wait till tomorrow. Man, tomorrow may be too late. You put off salvation, the time will come when you will not be able to repent and be saved because the door of salvation is slammed shut. And you can weep and you can barter and you can beg, but it's too late. You see the same example, the same illustration in Jesus' warning about the parable of the virgins. Let me give you some homework. Check out Matthew chapter 25, verses one through 13, and just notice the pic- there's a picture there. Um, it's really talking about the second coming of Christ, but just think about it in terms of a picture of salvation. Uh, at the point where you meet Jesus, it better be settled whether or not you've received him as Lord. You wanna meet him today in your heart not face to face at the judgment, not at the time of his return. You don't want that to be the first time you meet Jesus 
At some point it's too late. Wiersbe said Hebrews 12, 17 indicates that Esau sought the blessing with tears yet found no place for real repentance for his sentence. Remorse, yes, but not sincere repentance. He was sorry for what he had lost, not sorry for what he had done. So all Isaac can do is give a blessing to a profane person. That's what Hebrews calls him. And this profane person, this adulterer at heart, uh, corrupts many with the bitterness in his life. Esau's descendants would live in a land less fertile than Palestine. Esau and his descendants, sure enough, end up living by the sword. Sure enough, they serve Israel, and they do eventually break his yoke from them. Esau himself was not personally subservient to his brothers, but his descendants end up in bondage to Israel. Let me give you some more homework. 2 Kings 8, 20 and 2 Chronicles 21, verses eight through 10 tell you that under Jehoram, Esau's descendants revolt and they establish a kingdom of their own. Everything that Isaac said eventually ends up happening. Verse 42 says, and these words of Esau, her elder son were told to Rebekah, Dad's gonna die any moment, we'll get the weeping done, and then there'll be some more weeping for Jacob. I'm gonna kill him, right? So she calls Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, and flee unto Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days. Uh, That's not what happens. It doesn't last just a few days. Tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Then will I send and fetch thee from thence, and why should I be, uh, why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are of the daughters of the land, what, what good shall my life do, to, uh, do me? What good shall my life do me? I mean, like I, I, can't, I can't stand my daughters-in-law, is what she's saying. Esau is married to monsters, and I can't bear it if Jacob does the same. And so this is the pretext for getting Jacob out of the way of Esau's wrath. So even though, just think about this, even though both Rebekah and Jacob get exactly what they want, they lose everything. And that's what we're gonna find out. It would have been so much better for her to say, God, you made some promises. Did you hear what, e- what Isaac is saying to Esau? God, you have to keep the promise of your word over our life. No, she lies, she deceives. She's still manipulating, she's still trying to, she's still trying to guarantee the outcome. And they end up paying gravely for this sin. Jacob paid for this sin many times over. As a result of this sin, the family's now torn apart. Everyone's suffering. Uh, Did I give you some cross-references for that? Numbers 32, Proverbs 13. Check them out. Everybody's suffering. Rebecca's suffering because after Jacob leaves to save himself from Esau's wrath, she never sees Jacob again. She lost her son that day. She literally, she doesn't ever see her boy again. She sends him away to try to save his life over what they've done, to save him from Esau's wrath, because she wants to not lose it. No, she lost him. The few days of her planning turn into 20 years, and again, just like Isaac disappears off the scene in terms of the biblical text, so also Rebecca. God's not impressed. We never hear of Rebecca after this. Her death is not recorded, only the death of her nurse, Deborah. 
And we'll see that in Genesis 20, uh, 35 verse eight. Jacob suffers, he's separated from his beloved mama. He's a mama's boy, he never sees his mama again. Now he's living in fear of his brother. He reaps what he sows, Galatians 6, 7. He ends up under Laban, who deceives him about his wives, keeps changing his wages. He serves 20 years of hard labor in Syria because he's not content to be patient and let God give him what he promised. He's also deceived by his own sons when they persecute Joseph. So he deceived, right? He's a son who deceives his father. So now his sons deceive him. One day his own sons will kill a kid and put his blood on Joseph's coat to, defe- I mean, to deceive their father. History will repeat itself again. The Bible says be sure your sin will find you out, Numbers 32, 23. The whole family's in sin, right? Isaac's trying to overturn God's plan by, by blessing Esau, giving him the Abrahamic covenant. Esau's planning to murder Jacob. Rebecca and Jacob are liars and cheats. Man, what a mess. We set out to deceive because we think it's a solution to a very real problem. The ends justify the means. You know, if Isaac wasn't so messed up, I wouldn't have to do this. Man, you don't have to do anything but go to the Lord. You don't have to do anything but come to God in humility and say, God, here's what your word says. I don't know how. I don't see how. I don't know how, but you're a way maker. And I choose to trust in you. Man, brothers and sisters, you gotta do the math on this. God's either real or he's not. He either keeps his promises or he doesn't. What, what, what ship are you in? Are you on the ship of fleshly self-provision or are you gonna trust God? Man, I will go down on the ship trusting God because if it's God's will that I suffer unjustly, man, I wanna be still in God's will. I mean, we, we get this fleshly temporal perspective how can I get this to work out for me right now? And then we manipulate and we backbite and we talk trash and we're, what are we doing? We're trying to manipulate, manipulate an outcome. I want you to view this person in a negative light and view me in a positive light. And just wicked, vile venom comes out of your mouth. You're manipulating, you're lying. You're, man, it'd be better to be reviled and in the center of God's will because time is just for a moment. Our life in, a fl- in the flesh, it's just a vapor. It's just a moment in time. But eternity, oh man, in eternity, how much better, how much better to hear from your Father in heaven, well done, my good and faithful servant. How much better to hear Jesus say, welcome to the fellowship of my suffering. You were faithful in a few things. Here, I want you to take responsibility over many things. It's never appropriate to lie, cheat, manipulate, have a fleshly reaction to a problem that somebody else's fleshly reaction produced. Don't fight fire with fire, right? Fight it with prayer. I mean, at some point, you gotta decide to just give up and trust God. How many would say, Pastor, please would you pray for me because I'm facing a really tough situation. I'm facing a tough decision. And on the one hand, in in terms of the flesh, I'm tempted to respond in the power and the energy of the flesh. Um, You know, to to follow the the, the format that the end, right, a right outcome justifies maybe cheating a little bit to get there. And I don't wanna do that. 
I wanna trust God to discern, what does his word say about this? What does God say? What is God saying about, about how my life is supposed to unfold in this decision or this trial? I don't wanna respond in the flesh. I want God to make the promise of his word reality over my life. I don't want a Jacob, Rebecca response, man. I want that Rebecca response from Genesis 25. Why is it thus with me? I need to discern the word of the Lord. I need to trust that God will make it reality over my life. Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? Is there anybody like that in this service? Okay, so there's a number of us. How many would say, Pastor, I see the pictures, and I recognize I can come to God in the name of his son and be blessed, but I haven't done that yet. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that in this room? I'm not sure I'm saved. I don't know that I have Christ in my life. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Some of you are like, you didn't ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'd be, man, don't be embarrassed. That's why you're here, right? Isn't that why you're here, to know the Lord? And so if you wanna know the Lord, man, we wanna help you, we wanna help you meet him today, right? We wanna help you meet him today in your heart. Is there anybody like that that would say, please pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know that I know Christ. Yes, sir, anybody else? I don't know that I'm born again. Please pray for me. I don't know if, I, if I've got Christ in my life. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Is there anyone else? Don't be a chicken, <laughs> right? Ask for prayer. Okay, would it help if I asked everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes? Let's do that. Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Lord, you see us, you see where we're at, and, and you know who we are, you know what we need. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us not to respond with fleshly thinking, fleshly manipulating, fleshly lies, a response of deceit. Lord, help us to get full of faith. We may not even know this morning what your word says about our circumstances. Lord, help us to make decisions this morning, to purpose in our heart that we're gonna find out what your word says about our, our problem. And then so help us, God, by your grace. We're gonna trust you for it. Uh, Lord, some of us right now are facing real messes, real problems, real difficulty. There are some mothers and fathers that need to quit trying to get their family where they want it to be through complaining and nagging and, and, and the energy of the flesh. And Lord, all we could do is just commit some of these things to you. Uh, Lord, give us the grace to do that. Lord, there's some of us that right now we're in the middle of a bunch of lies and deceits. Lord, give us the wisdom to repent and to go to people and set things straight, to speak truth and love. <laughs> uh, this was messed up and, and I did it. And, and, and it's not right, it's not true. And, and, and here's what is true and here's where I'm at and, and here's what I'm trusting the Lord for. God, help us to be real in our relationships. Help us to be open with one another. God, help us to be the family that you designed, not the, not the family that we designed. We wanna have freedom in the truth, not be caught up in the work of lies. Lord, for, for any, uh, we had one hand for salvation, but Lord, for any that don't know you, for any that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, God, today we're trusting is the day of salvation. Today we're trusting uh, that, that souls will meet you. You're worthy. You're worth us submitting our lives to. You're worth us 
coming to the end of a life of sin, a life of fulfilling ourselves in the flesh. And Lord, you're worth us coming to you in repentance and calling on Christ as our Lord and Savior. We don't want to live our lives anymore. We want Christ to live his life in and through us. And so, Lord, we confess we need you today in Jesus' name. Amen.